Christopher Nolan's first war film unsurprisingly plays with narrative structure as it tells the story of the evacuation of thousands of allied soldiers from the beaches of Dunkirk. It's a different beast from Nolan's other works, so let's see how we fare. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. Bang, boom, muffled explosion sounds. <laughs> this is a movie podcast and we are wrapping up Christopher Nolan's season. Uh, we've been doing a bunch of his films including Oppenheimer for the release of Oppenheimer and this is the last one on our trip. This is a uh, newest film that we're doing aside from Oppenheimer itself. And that is Dunkirk, which came out in 2017 and is based on the real evacuation of Dunkirk and I believe, 1940. Uh, yes, although you did say newest film he has. Newest film that we're doing for this show specifically. That's what I said. I said newest film that we're doing. Oh, okay. Is it, the way you phrased that, it made it sound like he hasn't put out anything since this. No, no, Tenet came out, but that's a sci-fi yep. movie, so that's over mm-hmm. on the sci-fi podcast. But me and Tara did that when it came out. Yep. It's there, you go check it out. It's uh <laughs> it's exciting and full of intrigue. Um but no, um so Dunkirk obviously is a war movie. It is a film that Nolan had been wanting to make apparently since the nineties. I did a little bit of uh, looking yeah. and uh he he was inspired to do something like this when he travelled the channel. Uh, the channel for those who are not familiar with it is just the water between England and France. <laughs> <coughs> I feel like Thank you. Yeah, but I feel like people in other parts of the world may not know that. Oh, yeah, no. As soon as you say channel, I'm immediately thinking, like, I'm sorry, is that, like, the Mississippi? My American mind can't comprehend this body of water you're speaking of. <laughs> so, you know, he, he apparently was inspired. Apparently, at one point, he even wanted to do a improvised film, mm. which I don't know how that would have worked with all the, like, the action stuff, but... He would have... Yeah, I, I was going to save this joke, but I feel like it works here. Christopher Nolan would have actually antagonized Germany, purposely lost a battle, and then just filmed everybody's reactions as he was evacuating. He would have just recreated the conflict from scratch. Absolutely. Because we all know how this man loves his practical effects. So, yeah, I remember like not not being sure what to feel getting into this, because I was a big Christopher Nolan fan uh, by this point, obviously. Going into Dunkirk, it was this very different film it was a historical war film it was very different to everything else he'd done up until that point it had mostly been science fiction thriller or batman that was his his repertoire at that point the three movie genres <laughs> so the trailers look great though like it, you know they, they looked very uh visually compelling it looked like it was going to be a real sort of on the ground war movie and sure enough this film does not have scenes in a war room with like people in charge making the big choices it's not that at all it is the people who are there in the water in the spitfires or indeed on the beach uh and mm-hmm. trying to evacuate that's who we're following the entire time or i guess a couple of civilians as well because part of the story of dunkirk if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with it is that a lot of civilian ships and boats went to help evacuate dunkirk when there was no military ships either left or they were saving them for future battles so they didn't want to commit mm. to sending the, the destroyers to go and deal with it i was gonna say little did they know but they still had another five years in the war and the u.s had yet to join so yeah yeah the what was it another year before pearl harbor mm-hmm. yep december 7th 41 yeah so over a year still till pearl harbor 
Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think at one point I, I misremembered the year and I thought it was like 1944 and I thought, you know, things seem quite bleak, but it's only a year left, guys. You know, the, the war's <laughs> over in about a year's time. And yeah, it, you guys uh, practically won it. <laughs> but they kept talking about how things are looking really grim and I'm like, what year is this? And I, ch- I checked, I was like, oh, it's 1940. Oh, they're like, they're a year in and they, th- they, they were mm-hmm. maybe thinking, ah, oh, this will be one big fight. It'll be, we'll go home. Because that same thing happened with World War One, where everyone said, like the, the, the quote that was passed around in World War One was, we'll be home by Christmas. That was like, yeah. when everyone was leaving in 1914, they thought it'd be home by Christmas. And that was a four-year war, obviously World War Two, a couple of years longer than that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, you know, but that, that's all war stuff. We'll get into, obviously, the movie. Um, typically we say we start spoiler free, which we will, there's, there's definitely things we'll keep out of the conversation until we're officially in spoilers, but obviously right. the larger context of what happened in the world, uh, is, isn't really a spoiler per se. Yeah, this is specifically all of the characters in this, while potentially, like, there's nothing to say that they didn't exist, they are fictional characters, yeah, they all... were made up for the sake of the story. It's got a very specific structure, and that just kind of necessitates that he's got his own characters to play with now were there characters like all of these characters at the time probably probably lots they're probably basically just amalgamations of a lot of real people that did exist but they're not Mm. specifically based on anyone uh so yeah um except for winston churchill at the end he's the only one well to be fair you'll even you you hear what he said you even see Mm -hmm. him or hear him you know specifically so yeah so i yeah i mean that, that, so Dunkirk is, you know, it's this kind of, it, it's a shorter film from Nolan. It's about an hour and 45. Which I, I last night I was like, all right, I need to wake up early enough to watch all of Dunkirk. And knowing Nolan and how his movies have just progressively <laughs> gotten longer, I was prepared to have to wake up super early today to watch this. And then I go on IMDb, hour 45. I thought I was on the wrong movie for a second. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's And part of that is because it's just a sequence of like, tense war scenarios mm-hmm. and it's a ticking time clock effectively till the end it's not a movie with like a big grand plot that things ha- there's not a lot of exposition because nah. it doesn't need to have much exposition uh and we can get into all that but uh you hadn't seen this before i had not and honestly i feel like i had seen clips from it prior mm. to this but having watched it now i don't think i had either seen clips i think i may have mixed it up with 1917 ah yes, as yes. the clips i've seen which for the record great movie i, I recommend mm-hmm. 1917 very good uh, we'll get to it but uh yeah so we'll, we'll get into it i'll start as we always do uh david whoa, whoa. Oh. hold on hold on you you said that i've never seen it before pete what's your history have you seen this before i, I saw it when it came out yes and you 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 sat down and you loved every moment of it <laughs> every heart racing minute I, I was conflicted. Mm. I'll get into it in a minute. Well, I'm asking what you think <laughs> right. first. How well, did you feel about Dunkirk? Uh, so, I didn't really know what I was going into. I didn't know. I, obviously, war movie got that much. Um, this does have a little bit of that Nolan flair with how the story is told in terms of out of sequence. And I think that it does it very well. I do think that unlike other movies, though, this one I lost track of a lot. I It's an issue where everyone, by almost necessity, is wearing the exact same outfits. And there's a bunch of characters in this who look pretty damn similar. So 
all things considered, I really had to focus, and occasionally I was still losing track of, like, wait, I'm sorry, which one are you? Did you... Were you the one in that earlier scene? And then we cut to a different part of the timeline, and I just start getting a little bit lost. By the end, I think I have a good idea of it. But in the moment, I honestly think it's probably one of his weakest in terms of telling the narrative. I feel like I got lost even more than Tenet, which is saying something. I which feel is, like which I got... is wild, because this is like an account of events that happened it's not some mm -hmm. complex science fiction thing that's right exactly <laughs> but because it's an account of and he's still applying this weird narrative to it the events don't specifically structure themselves to this varied timeline uh anyway all that to say i i think this movie sets out to do a very tense war film because obviously the events in question are very tense you're just sitting there waiting for a boat to come pick you up more or less and it's terrifying and this movie does a great job of just filling every second with that tension but i do think that it is one of the weaker narratives being told so kind of split i guess is the roundabout way of saying it yeah i think that's fair i was like i say i was this film was a big fan of, the, of nolan i was excited mm -hmm. about it the trailers look good with the slight linger in the back of my head that I, I can be very hit and miss on war films depending on how they do things. And I just said that I loved uh, 1917, and I did, mm -hmm. and I've loved other war movies, but there's definitely some that I don't love that much either. Um, I, basically, I would say that I don't just connect to it because it's based on a real tragedy or based on a real right. thing. Um, you know, I, I hated the movie Fury uh, with Brad Pitt that David Ayer directed. Mm -hmm. Like, I did not like that at all. Um, just as another example, but so going into this it was like that was just kind of like a wild card element to it for me but you know obviously I like nolan trailers look good let's get into it and i found myself like okay i'm drawn at the start the cinematography is good you know i'll, I'll say this the technical qualities throughout are obviously top notch there's a lot of practical effects as much as it can be like you say it's very tense it looks beautiful a lot of it's shot in imax and um, depending on how you watch it you might see a lot of shifting aspect ratios Probably yeah. enough that it's a little bit distracting because uh, it is darting around so much. But, you know, technical qualities are super up there and you'd expect them to be with Nolan. There's certainly, there's nothing fault there. But what you criticized that they're a little bit or had mixed feelings on was the narrative of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I guess my complaints also come from that. And more specifically, the characters and the lack of characters that I really find myself able to get attached to um yeah. the guy that we start the film with whose name i never learned apparently he's tommy according to imdb i don't think i ever heard his name once in the whole movie i i i'm sitting here on the wikipedia page where there's just a nice little cast list and i have <laughs> to go into each and every one of these actors articles to know who in the hell we're talking about yeah and we start with him so he kind of feels like the main guy to a point obviously the ones that start jumping around the three timelines mm -hmm. uh, that we're playing with building up to where they all converge uh there's it's kind of an ensemble where you're kind of on the george boat as i'm going to call it because that's what i think of us because the only name that i heard this whole movie was george because he kept saying george yeah <laughs> come on georgie boy get in the get in the boat right there's a lot of that mm -hmm. <laughs> but i i i had this trouble where the, the character who felt like he was the closest to a main character for the first 10 minutes I kind of, like, over the course, it felt like he became less and less something I was focusing on, to the point where I literally 
kind of lost what happened to him and his group of characters at one point until they just yeah. kind of turned up again and i just i was like i'm not really sure what the transition was from that previous predicament to this other than just what i can assume based on what's going was, on was it the them going off the sinking boat was that where it was they well two then because that and also when they're getting off the other boat on the beach yeah this fell like, out of the all, all yeah. those all those moments i'm just sitting there like i i feel like i there's a shot somewhere in one of the other because that's i guess it's not spoilers to explain how the different timelines here work no 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 so it's very simple it's mm -hmm. we're introduced to soldiers at the beach first right and there's a little bit of build up uh getting to the beach but once we get to the beach it's like okay this is the mole which is this pier um at this dunkirk beach and it's basically the only place they've got to actually have bigger boats come in and take them back to the destroyers or whatever it may be they can't right. drive any, i say drive they can't sail anything else up close to the beach mm -hmm. and it comes up saying the mole uh one week right and you don't really yes. know what that means immediately right but then you're mm -hmm. introduced to uh the so it's mark rylance's character mr dawson his son peter and george who's like a friend of the family this teenager itty bitty george yeah uh barry barry uh, cohen who looks kind of like ezra miller but he's not ezra miller <laughs> it threw me for a minute there <laughs> yeah uh but they are you know his his little you know boat is like okay the army's coming in the military's saying hey we need your all everyone's boats and they're actually going to take it in themselves to go in dunkirk whereas mm -hmm. mr dawson and we don't really understand his motivation till much much later but he decides that he's going to drive the boat himself they're going to go uh to dunkirk and try and save as many soldiers as they can and george the teenager jumps on and it comes up saying you know the sea one day so it's the idea that this is wherever we're ending the movie the stuff on the beach started a week before the end the stuff in this mm -hmm. boat leaving is a day before the end of the movie and then eventually yep. we're introduced to tom hardy who's a pilot and a spitfire and that's one hour before the end of the movie so it's cutting between yep. these three things throughout the movie but as we're getting later in them they're all converging to around the same time right and that's what I once I understood how this was all happening because I think the first time you really get any overlap is actually with um, Killian Murphy's character. He shows up in the C plot and then also shows back up in the land plot, the mm -hmm. mole plot as well. And you're like, oh wait a minute, he can't be in both places at the same time. These timelines aren't lining up properly. Yeah, so I don't remember like when it. Like, I don't remember my experience with get because I got into this as soon as it said one week, I remembered, oh, yeah, one week, one day, one hour. And from for mm -hmm. this entire viewing, I just knew, like, how that okay. was playing. I don't remember, like, when it clicked for me the first time. I have no idea. For me, it was the Killian Murphy moment. There might have been other little hints before then, but that was the first time where Killian Murphy's character in the George Boat plot is very different from where he yeah, was yeah. in the sea, in the mole plot. And so that was... The first moment where you realize, wait a minute, these can't line up. Oh, we're doing a thing with time. But it was because of that little shot that I kept on expecting once we lost track of our main group of boys that like I was going to see a shot of them in one of the other plots mm. and they would all just suddenly click of like, oh, here's how they managed to escape that situation. But I don't feel like I ever did. And like, that's why I agree in the losing track of them multiple times in this movie where they're, they have to cover a whole week in their plot, and it feels like there are some jumps in there that weren't properly explained. Yeah, there's, def there's definitely some big jumps in the, the one-week uh, plot of the movie. 
Yeah, and, and I think, like you say, they're all wearing the same uniforms, obviously, which is, you know, accurate, but they're mm. all skinny white guys with similar hair, and a lot of them do look the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, and a lot of them don't talk that much as well. That's the thing. Like, a lot of his visual, mm. which is good, don't get me wrong, it's great that it is just a visual set piece movie. But I think my other big problem with it is that it's super tense, and I remember my first viewing and being into it for maybe 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, and then the tension just never, like, like, I kept expecting it to slow down so I'd get to know the characters better, and uh-huh. it never did. It just keeps going. And I, well, I think that can work in certain movies, and I think it can can function, and you can get enough of the character across through the, the these types of sequences. I mm. think there's too many in this, um, and this is maybe more of a personal thing, but I'm not a big National Pride guy, so there's a whole, mm. you know, when it starts, you know, playing sappy music as, like, British flags are being waved at various points, I'm just <laughs> kind of like, uh-huh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's just, that's, that's more of a personal thing, but that sappiness of it, I'm just like, uh, no. Like, I think what you need to do is make me really care about a character so that I'd be rooting for someone, because as much as you can say, oh, there's 300, 400,000 men here, and they're all going to die if they don't get evacuated... I need right. to care about one. I need to be given yeah. one that I, I know, that I, I learn to understand, get what their fears are, get what their hopes are. And, mm. you know, and I think when I look at something like 1917 and I'm like, you know, that, that entire movie follows one character and we sort of like understand what he's avoiding throughout the film, what his arc is in the movie. And I don't necessarily, by its nature, this movie, the character's... Like there's some, there are some little arcs, but it's not really a movie about character arcs in the same way. No, it's not a traditional not uh, narrative in that respect. I, I, on the tension point, yeah. I agree. I know you're saying this is maybe your personal thing, but it, it's also for me as well. In that, it's the first time we really get downtime. The first time we're able to just sit and like understand the characters without the score in the background telling you everyone is about to die is 45 minutes into this hour and 45 minute movie. We're already deep into what should be considered the second act and the I think the human mind can only take so much of that ramping pressure before either it just gives up and assumes nothing's going it, to happen or it just doesn't connect and it doesn't last long either like very quickly like mm-hmm. I, I i i actually kind of let a laugh this time like how quickly another yeah. tragedy kind of strikes like when you get to that downtime moment it's very very yeah. quick and that is the issue with it being stretched over a week is that obviously you don't want to show the moments where nothing is happening but you do have to show some moments where there is that like just chilling out because if we are to assume they spend a full seven days just always at this level i i i think that they should have then made that the core plot the only plot oh, yeah, and the other yeah. two don't matter i, I think it would have benefited the characters uh, in that week plot if we did just spend all the time with them but mm-hmm. obviously no one wanted to do these other plots and um, I, and I get the boat plot to a point, and that does have a sort of little narrative, and it does make some points. I do think the plane stuff's my least favorite of the whole thing, though. I I, I found it a little, yeah, just repetitive because you're just in the sky with like, oh, do we see the other pilot? No, we don't. And like, it it looks great, and I want to get this across. The big shots of the beach where there are thousands and thousands of people, and I'm sure as many mm. of them are as extras as Nolan could get away with without someone saying no. After a certain point, they're CG. <laughs> but, yeah. like, he, he's doing these big grand shots. He, he's, he's got, like, people running around. You feel the scale. The scale is, like, un, unmatched, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Um, obviously, everyone loves Saving Private Ryan's opening, you know, D-Day landing. Um, yeah. And that's a very well shot and very, like, action-packed sequence. But this might even have a bigger scale than that does, just because of the way it's, like, this big stretch of beach. Obviously, it's not as action-packed, and I'm not saying it compares in other ways, but uh, it, it does. Like, there's, there's a sense of, like, just the space which which is good i mean what one of the things i guess i like about the movie is this idea of like how small this body of water really is and how right. it is just a day's like riding a small boat from like you know the, the bottom of england to get over to dunkirk and mm-hmm. all the dangers that could be there in that in that space it's almost one hour flying from you know england to, yeah. to dunkirk it's a, that's the thing is like the week-long plot i feel like would have been done such a bigger service if they really did focus on the fact of just like how quickly they could get over there if they had any means of transportation because they always keep on like as they are cutting back in this day-long plot and even the hour-long plot logically we're supposed to know okay this is only taking an hour and this is only taking a day but because it's interspliced with this week-long plot it makes it feel so much longer of a trip than it actually is and so you don't get this feeling that it is this tiny little body of water. The day-long plot of him sailing across this thing to Dunkirk feels like it takes the full week because it takes him that long to get there. Either that the or, the movie. or alternatively, the week-long one just feels like a day. It doesn't feel right. like it's actually a week. It feels it like just a day. It feels like 24 else. hours. They just loop through it. The oh. only thing that separates that is that there are several night scenes. Yeah. I, I do wonder if like maybe a Russian doll style thing would have been better where you start off with the beach, you start off and you leave it in a big cliffhanger and then mm-hmm. almost like an anthology film, you cut to the boat stuff and you do that for like a long time until mm-hmm. maybe you can like and leave it in a cliffhanger maybe when they're about to see the planes and then you do the mm-hmm. planes and you do all of the planes in one chunk basically right. and then go back to the boat because it kind of bleeds back into that and then that bleeds back into like you know maybe that would have been a structure that worked more for me i don't know yeah. I'm, I'm just i mean i think at that point you're changing up the entire structure which would yeah. have its own effects but it is it does sound on paper like a better way because the way it currently does it it just doesn't feel like time means anything by the time we hit the end where uh i mean no spoilers but there are evacuations they managed to get people off but it's I mean it's the real story. Yeah, so, exactly. So. <laughs> but they they have this thing where it's like one of the characters decides to stay back and I it didn't hit me. Like it was supposed to be like this big emotional point where mm. he's like made this hard decision, but I'm like, it feels like you you could easily just get a ferry and just leave anytime you feel like. It doesn't feel like you're trapped here. It, it feels, I, I mean, I said this last time, but I think it's Nolan's coldest film. I, I feel oh, very yeah. little from it. I, I feel very little emotion. Well, I think it it does a good job because this is a, one of the only movies where there are no real heroes. Every no. single one of these characters is in self-preservation mode, and they are willing to do whatever it takes to be able to do that. And by necessity, that comes across as cold. The only person who I think kind of manages to escape it is uh, Tom Hardy's character as the pilot, but that's only because he's pretty far removed from everything, all things considered. Uh, I would also say Mr. Dawson, kind of. True. Because you know, he's making the choice, and like, there's multiple points where it's like, oh, you should turn back, and he doesn't. You know, So I, mm-hmm. I feel like he kind of also gets that. Um, yeah, I... 
I, I think the coldness is a part part of it. You said that you know there was a moment at the end that didn't hit you. I think uh, I won't say what's going on or what the characters have sort of realized or went through at that point. We'll talk about that in spoilers. But mm-hmm. when he, when we are hearing Winston Churchill's speech, um, yeah. I think all the points that we're making there with the characters fell flat for me. Um, and not because it's not a valid thing to say that they might feel or that this was even a real thing that they they you know they felt at the time or whatever. But more mm-hmm. that I just didn't care enough about these characters. Or, but it's basically just a case of like the thing that they're they're worried about. Or int- it's it's introduced like two minutes before it's paid off, and I feel like you could have like teased yeah. this throughout this worry about what it might be like when they do actually get home, kind of thing. Like I feel like that could have been something that could have been like built the entire oh, yeah. time, and because Hard it wasn't, I just didn't feel much at the end. Yeah, no, it was. That's the issue with because the core focus of the movie is that it is this like I said, self-preservation thing. And so that's all that's focused on the entire time is, okay, we've made it out of problem A and we're moving in immediately to problem B. We don't get a moment to breathe. We don't get a moment to think about things. We just have to focus on living for every single moment. And so by the time that we get to the end and it has this chance to talk about things and explore themes and like, way we're out of danger. It's the end of the movie. Yeah. You're out of time to do that yeah so yeah. yeah uh so yeah i'm not sure if i'm like pleased that you ended up feeling quite mixed on it <laughs> but it's certainly yeah, reassuring I... that it's like because part of me thought you're going to come in here and be like oh no i loved this this was great mm. um i i was kind of hoping i was i really wanted to be able to come in here and be like what may- are you talking it may, this is great. It, it may have been a more interesting debate <laughs> if you came yeah. in here loving it and some people I do mean, love it here's the thing I will say, I don't think this is Nolan's weakest film. <gasps> I, I, I don't, I do not believe that it is his lowest film, all things considered. I think that it is weak, but I would not put it at bottom of the barrel. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, technically, I don't think it's the worst, but I, I, I think for me personally, it is the worst one. Like, it's the one that I just don't want to watch. I, I get more personal value out of every other film he's made uh, okay. versus this one um and it's the one that i just have i've had no desire to rewatch it since it came out you know we, we're doing it here for the show because we're doing nolan films and we, you know mm-hmm. we're not going to skip it obviously um but like I, you know i don't really see myself wanting to watch this again like i i just i just don't think it's for me ultimately like and i appreciate that he tried something different with this i appreciate that he was flexing creative muscles but sometimes yeah. when you flex creative muscles it doesn't work out and i don't think that should be condemned like trial and error and trying new things are are part of what make it you know make everything work and it has worked for some people some people do love the movie Mm -hmm. but so i'm i'm happy that he gets to try these things and i'm happy that he's doing different types of film this one just wasn't for me in almost any way sadly and it's just kind of something i have to you know deal with no yeah i mean i get that i think for me my biggest problem with it isn't anything to do with the story itself being told it's specifically just how it's told I think yeah. that I have a real problem with the timeline structure and I have a problem with the fact of, like we're saying, it's so distant. All the characters, like we don't feel like we really know any of them, barring maybe a couple in the boat. Even like you would think that the one that we get the most attachment to is the one that we're spending like ratio wise the most amount of time with. We are stuck in this cockpit cockpit with Tom Hardy. So you'd think we'd get like a whole thing on him, but I couldn't tell you anything about him by the time the story was done. No, no. 
And it was almost like that was kind of the point. Like, it's like, oh, we're not going to get into these people's lives. We're just going to see, like, how scared they are and how, how much danger mm. they're in. And, like, they're boiled down to just this. And again, I can appreciate kind of the point that he's trying to make by doing that. But fundamentally, you had to give me something from someone to, to really yeah. latch on to beyond just the broad idea of saving the boys the national pride of saving the boys and getting them home because see but I, I didn't even feel like it was the national pride because very early on in this movie kent Branagh basically says like we're not getting much of anything like we'll get their scraps like the nation wants to save us for the sake of defending the homeland but they're not going to not defend the homeland to save us that was an, inter- and I don't- that was an interesting pronunciation of brana Oh, Brana. Brana. I, the wrong emphasis. I just say, Ke- I just say Kenneth Brana. But you, 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 I thought that's what I said. Did I not say no, that? No, you had like a sort of weird touch there. Maybe, maybe you're more right than I am. I don't know. But, I don't know. Uh, I, know I know Matt loves to really emphasize that Brana. Brana. But, yeah. I'll just call him Kenny. So Kenny did a good job. <laughs> uh, but no, like that's that's the sort of thing, though, where I think that there's not a real thing of national pride here until you get closer to the end of the movie i feel like most of it is actually a fight against nationalism in a weird way because very early on we see the english have sent over a boat to pick up soldiers and basically the english officers are telling all the french soldiers get out of here you get your own boat this is for the english soldiers so it's actually played as a negative that they're leaving people to just die here on the beach because they're the wrong nationality despite fighting for the same cause yeah, no, there's definitely that as well. There's definitely that coolness. But I, I just mean more, like, the way they keep, the characters keep talking about home, the, mm. the, the, the... There's a lot of, like, little things, particularly later on, that feel like it's dipping more into it. It's like, okay, forget about all the bullshit, uh, you know, for... Like, I almost would have liked it more if it did make more of a point of, like, confliction, where it's like, okay, like... You know, maybe you could say it's more this critical look and a cynical take on, okay, it's all about national pride um, because it, it makes everyone at home feel good that we got saved. But yeah. that's actually a little bit of just a, a facade. And really, it's about making themselves feel better and not feeling guilty about anyone who didn't make it. And like, you could right. you could have dipped into that in, in the politics of, of, uh, of Churchill and like his mm-hmm. statements and what he wanted. But I mean, no one was on record of like, no, no, we're never going to show any of those big decision makers because we don't get want to get into the, the the politics of it all. We want to just be you know boots mm-hmm. on the ground. And I agree with the decision not to like have those scenes with those characters. But I still yeah. think you can like I think it'd have been more interesting if these characters that are in the film, if what they went through was saying more definitive things or maybe questioning more definitive things about this. Yeah, I I think it's an issue where because everyone is so focused on their own survival i don't really feel like anyone has opinions on anything like sure they're all upset that they're not able to do things that would give them their survival but i don't feel like we there there's a spoiler but there are two characters in this main wait are you going to say uh, the spoiler i'm not i'm not but there are two characters (laughs) in this thing and one of them has this big old secret the whole time and once it's revealed it doesn't change anything nothing in it changes for any discernible fact, not only that the character kind of like i feel like i missed where like because they sort of just i can tell you what happened to him but 
that's a spoiler. So. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. I'm, I'm just like I feel like I missed something there. I, I, yeah, I feel like it didn't matter that much ultimately, mm-hmm. um, or it didn't weigh down on anything for the rest of the movie. I don't know. It's it's a bit yeah. weird. Um, all right, so let's just say spoilers, so we don't have to dance around things. Um, yeah. I, you know, I I suspect this may actually be one of the shorter conversations we have because I I'm not sure how much I have to say about things like uh, so. The character you were just talking about there. Uh, so mm-hmm. early on, our main guy, Tommy, runs into a quiet soldier who's burying someone. And I think even the first viewing, like, I immediately just kind of like, I think he took that guy's uniform. I don't think he's a, a British soldier. Well, it's it specifically showed that he took his boots. Yeah. That one is like immediately given. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You, if your boots are messed up and there's a dead guy with good ones, take the boots. Yeah, yeah. I'm willing to accept that. Uh, but he's quiet the whole time. I actually recognize this actor now, funnily enough, because he was on uh, 1899 on Netflix uh, last year. Okay. Uh, Still need to watch that. Uh, amusingly, I think he is German, but obviously the twist later on is that he's... Like, the, one, Harry Styles from the band thinks he's German, but he's actually French. Uh, from the band. From the band. I don't even know what yeah, band he's in. What band is he in? It's One Direction. Okay. I don't care about them. <laughs> I mean, if we're not going to talk about him that long, I do want to say he did a fine job here. I think for a non-actor hey, uh, jumping into this, he did a fine job. I don't think he had a lot to he needed to do, really. But yeah, no, like not what really. he's given, sure, he does fine with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the that whole thing is like, and that was maybe the other thing as well. So this movie starts and Tommy is running, you know, in the little town that's near the beach, and he's getting shot at, and like it shows you that he's thirsty, it shows you that he's trying to take a shit, and he can't find anywhere to take a dump um and it's all i i i really wanted that to be a running theme for like one full week tommy just can't take a dump and he keeps trying but he uh you know he he runs from the soldiers he ends up on the beach he sees all the queues waiting for boats and then he goes round to take a dump and he runs into the quiet soldier burying the guy and they end up sticking together but from this point on there's a really interesting thing here where they basically are trying to like almost cheat to get away where mm. uh quite quickly they're like okay there's one like medical boat that's taking people back to the big ship uh, at the end of the pier and it's there's a queue and the, the you know like this like they point out in a, a later scene there's hundreds of thousands of people here so you're not getting on that yep. boat but there's some you know medical soldiers like running around uh with stretchers and there's like one guy who's sort of still breathing that's lying on the beach and it's the quiet guy who basically evokes the idea of oh let's take him they'll let us on if we're carrying wounded so yep. sure enough they they have a stretcher and it's, it's all about kind of trying to cheat their way on which i'll, I'll say like I, I don't necessarily blame them i get that he's scared and i, yeah, I get yeah. that this is an awful situation but it did make me think you know i'm not like i'm not more endeared to you for this though like you know you're, you're trying to cheat everyone else out and cut the right. line so like inherently you're you're, you're giving me a more of a, a slightly negative quality in this you know yeah no i get it but i i guess at this point they've already shown the desperation for me for me they were like all right look there's if we stay here we will die there is no honor in death in this regard like every man for himself more or less so while it may not have endeared me to them i also empathized like i was like no sure, yeah sure. save your skin i get it yeah. one thing i did want to point out though you were calling him the quiet guy already i don't think our main character said more than two words up to this point either no, like I... everyone's just quiet the whole time that's true but he talks later whereas this guy doesn't mm-hmm. so <laughs> he's yeah, the quiet guy <laughs> uh, 
so but they end up like like hiding in like the 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 beams underneath the pier because yeah. the, the medical boat actually starts to sink when it gets hit by something so well for, the first thing that happens is they drop off the guy and then people point out like okay you dropped him off you can leave now and they're like do we have to and then they climb down into the wooden ballasts of the pier beneath so that they can wait for i guess a once the boat departs, they can jump onto it. Yeah. Uh, so that's all going on. Um, and then from there, like, they do get onto another boat. Uh, well, the, the first boat is attacked and yes. it starts to, like, almost sink at the docking station. And Kenneth Branagh just says, like, get out of here and sink over there. If you're in the way, we're all dead. Yeah. So, so he he then reaches out and saves Harry Styles' life. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's where they meet him because he's climbing off that boat, and then they all mm. end up on another boat, which is actually getting ready to leave, and they've got uh, mm. tea and like jam, uh, not even sandwiches, it's just like a slice of toast with jam on top. It's yeah, like they're obviously filled tea because they've not had it in tea, but it's the most boring looking thing mm-hmm. <laughs> ever. Um, but immediately the, the the quiet guy is like staying outside on deck, and he's he's and like when someone else asks the main guy Tommy, like, uh, you know, what's up with your friend over there? He's like. Oh, he's looking for where the exits are in case, like, things go bad again. And sure enough, this is where I laughed, because, like, they're, like, two bites into the jam sandwich, and then the boat gets hit, and they start capsizing, and there's water filling up everywhere, and we get another yeah. big... T- that, I think this was the moment when I, on my first viewing, particularly, where I started to, like, lose it, where I was starting to, like, I don't know if I'm feeling this right now. Like, I'm starting to feel yeah. a little distant from everything that's happening. Mm. Um, So yeah it is it, it's an issue because as we describe it it sounds like it's a downbeat moment it sounds like it's a moment where everyone can relax but because the one character is still so paranoid this whole time and because of just how they're afraid they're going to be like caught out and stuff like that mm. it's not a downbeat moment it, this tension still exists this entire time and so you're still just kind of stuck waiting for that because also i think as movie watchers we have that sort of meta awareness where we're only 20 minutes into the movie and we're like, they're not going to escape yet. Yeah. We know something's going to happen. But I thought, oh, maybe they'll get like halfway and they'll they'll be attacked. You know, but they're still close enough to the beach that when the ship does sink and they get off, it's mm-hmm. like, all right, okay, everyone back to the beach. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> get out of here. Although they, this is the point that I was talking about before where they swim over to a lifeboat that has Killian Murphy yeah. in it. And he's like, ah, oh, the boat's too full, you can't get in, but don't worry, the water's warm and you got life back. And it's notable so. that he's very, like, calm and upbeat, and he's like, don't worry, guys, like, the water's not too bad, we'll come back and get you, yep. you'll be fine. Which is a stark contrast to the complete shell-shocked, like, nature of him yep. that we already saw in the other t- bit of the timeline, which we'll get to. Not okay. Um, so th- this is kind of revealing, oil. Oh, a lot of bad shit happens to him then by the time we get to him, um, mm-hmm. which... I mean, I guess it does. I, I I don't know if they specifically like focus on it enough for me to like get. Oh, this is where he's going through that horror that led to yeah, this. Nah. It's just kind of like okay, all these ships are getting hit and all that in the background. Like obviously he's involved mm-hmm. in all this. They never really focus in on it that much, sadly, to really get the point. But uh, and then when they get back to the beach, they end up just like running around a bit. But they end up teaming up with a, a group that are going towards this boat that's sitting on the beach, and they're like, but it's on the beach like what good is that it's like yeah but the tide's going to come in and then it'll go so there this is just a, a rogue little group of military who are hoping to sail back on their own <laughs> on this little yeah. boat much i just 
For like five to ten minutes of this movie, we have repeatedly, among multiple characters, them explaining how tides work. <laughs> and I felt like going into it, just as a layman, I had a pretty good idea as to how the tides worked. But after everyone talked about it for so long, I'm more confused than I was going into it. That's fair, like, yeah. It, it's just the way they kept, especially because they had two characters that disagreed whether or not the tides changed every three hours or every six hours. And but to be fair, guy, though, the guy who said three hours is like, yeah, but I'm, I'm Navy. Yeah, I'm Navy. <laughs> so, so listen to me. <laughs> I know what right, I'm talking but then, about. <laughs> but then another person in that little ragtag battalion says the wrong thing, like doubling down on it. And I was like, I don't... It, Tide goes yeah, in, well, tide goes out, can't explain that. I think that's the point, though, is I think that we'll, we've learned what the wrong thing is, so then when we hear him say the wrong thing, we're like, oh, no, mm -hmm. they're making a mistake. They're, they're, right. you know, I think that's the point. Um, and then, like, some Germans, which, by the way, we never see them on camera. Like, the, the, the enemy is always this unseen yeah. force in this movie. The, the most we get is we, during the um, airplane scenes, we do see Other single enemy yeah. planes, but we don't ever really see the soldiers themselves, which I think is a good move. I did appreciate that. No, I think it's a smart move. Uh, you see some out of focus right at the very end uh, when they're mm -hmm. taking Tom Hardy away, but that is very, very minimal. It's like, you don't... Yeah. Like, it's very... Un like, this is not a movie about talking about the enemy other than just the enemy exists and we're trying to escape them. Like, this is, mm -hmm. this is never something that's trying to villainize the other side, even though the other side's Nazi yeah. Germany. And mo most movies are quite happy to villainize Nazi Germany. But... <laughs> so... Yeah, so there's like some German soldiers taking target practice at the boat, and they don't know they don't know that this group are in here, but they're all just sort of like trying not to get hit with the, the bullets. But it's made these holes in the boat, so they start it starts filling up with water when the tide's coming in, yeah. and then that's when the big fight around the quiet guy who turns out to be French, and immediately like, oh he's a frog, like throw mm. him out. There's too many of us. We need the boat to float. Which I think this scene is the only real moment where they do that exploration of self preservation. Like, mm -hmm. everything else is kind of passively just like, oh, what are you willing to do survive? But this is the only one where our main character has to explicitly say, like, I don't want to sacrifice Gibson, the quiet guy here, for the sake of us being able to escape. Well, Gibson technically is just a name on the outfit. It's not right. really his name, but yeah. He's credited as Gibson. He so. is, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't want to sacrifice him. Like, that's wrong to do. And they're like, okay, then you leave. And he's like, no, let's sacrifice Gibson. Like, that's the kind of examination we're getting where it's like, all right, when your feet are really put to the fire, are you willing to give up your own life that, that, in exchange for someone else? This is exactly the sort of scene that I wish it wasn't intercutting with other stuff. Because mm -hmm. it's intercutting with the kind of brand, I think, at this point. It may be intercutting with the other, like, plane and boat stuff. And yeah. I'm like... I really wish I just focused on this so we could just get the weight of this choice he's having to make. It may actually feel like he's having more of a character moment. Um, mm -hmm. But I, 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 just, I don't feel feel it. And then, honestly, this guy, the quiet guy, Gibson, I feel like like they're struggling as the water's filling in and, the, the, you know, they're, they're, like they're, it's up to their necks at this point and he's kind of mm -hmm. tried to grab the gun. Like, I don't even think I noticed like how he actually ended. He died. Yeah, I mean, was, I'm not surprised, a, but... There was a sequence where uh, he was wrapped up in, like, a chain or something like that, and he was unable to free himself, and he just drowned under the water filling up the boat. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a dark scene, and again, all these people look the same, so you could, would have been forgiven to thinking, like, oh, maybe that was Harry Styles. Oh, maybe it was yeah, literally anyone else in the battalion. And honestly, the end of this part, though, like, 
I don't feel like you really like get a chance to really notice where these guys are until they're being no. pulled onto the small boat. It's not until they're mm-hmm. pulled onto uh, Mr. Dawson's boat where I'm like, oh, there these characters are again. I recognize yep. them again. Uh, everything going on in between is just like all this other big, bigger action stuff where Tom Hardy's saving people with his plane and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, so that, that was a big thing for me. Uh, I suppose here's a good point to go back and talk about Mr. Dawson's boat or George boat as we're going yep. to call, call that George plot. boat. Uh, which is that George decides to go along for this trip even though he wasn't supposed to. He just jumps on the boat and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. I guess you're coming then. And it's George, I think it's Peter? Is Peter the name of he's the... the other, he's the son, yeah. He's the guy's son. The, the other guy, yeah. And then uh, Mr. Dawson yeah. is the other guy. Um, and, you know, at first it's mostly just them talking about what they're doing and, and whatnot. Uh, the big, the first thing that really happens to them though is they come across some wreckage, and there's one soldier who's just sort of sitting on on a sinking boat, and it's Kelly and yep. Murphy who they bring on board. I forgot he was in this, to be honest. Same. So- as soon as as soon as I saw <laughs> Killian Murphy's face, I was like, oh hey, oh, what are you doing here? Yeah, I was looking out for Michael Caine's voice. I heard that, but I was yep. surprised by Kelly and Murphy making an appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pull him on board, and he's shell shocked. He's scared, and. Mm-hmm. The big potential, pl- which again, I thought was going to be like everything they introduced in this movie, I thought was going to be a bigger deal. But mm-hmm. he's like, oh, wait, you're heading towards Dunkirk. No, 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 no. Go the other direction. Back back to Britain, please, because I, I don't want to go back. Maybe you're unfamiliar <laughs> with Shell Shocked, but that is not going to be okay for me. <laughs> and there's a whole sort of tense thing where the son Peter like is like makes the choice to lock him in the cabin uh, down mm-hmm. below deck. He, like, vaguely makes some threats of, like, I'm not going back there, which yeah. makes him think that he's going to try to, like, take control of the boat. So he locks him in, and, like, you know, when he does realize he's locked in, he tries to get out, he's sort of banging around, but then it turns out he's climbed out, like, one of the little windows that are in there anyway. The skylight. Uh, yeah. And he ends up struggling for the wheel, right? And they're, they're having a bit of a struggle, and in the struggle, George who's you know, been presented as this timid guy who wants to help, gets knocked back down the stairs and hits his head. And yep. he's pretty seriously injured. You know, he's kind of he's shaking. He can't move. He can't see Blood anything. Blood out of the back of his yeah. head. And, like, this obviously makes uh, the shell, you know, Kelly Murphy's character, like, once he sort of like realizes that this kid's hurt, he's, he starts feeling quite bad about it. He's sort of sitting <laughs> off to the side. And it's kind of meant to be the, the linchpin of this plot is that he keeps asking, is he going to be okay? And at first Peter's like, no. But then when it's like, he's probably dying. Like, there's probably nothing they can do for him. No, he's already dead at that point. Not the first time he asks if he's okay. No, the first time he asks if he's okay, but he lo- he tells him the truth and says, no, he's not going to be. It's only once he's dead and Killian yeah, asks yeah, again. That's, that's like, what I'm saying. I, I, I'm, yeah. I, I said, yeah, he w- when he's still alive and he thinks there's maybe a mm-hmm. chance to survive, he, he says no to him. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not until after he's dead that when Killian Murphy asks, how's the boy is it going to be okay where peter kind of realizes that he needs to hear yes you know like Mm -hmm. this is not about making him feel bad this is about making him feel better right now until he's like obviously you didn't mean it and yeah we maybe you'll have to face what you did later on but right now it wouldn't help anybody if you collapse down and break because you killed a young boy yeah uh so obviously that's the tragedy of this story um Mm. but it's maybe the pulling at the heartstrings of it and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say I feel nothing for it, but I also, I, I don't know how effective I think it is. I think it's the same issue that runs across in the main plot of we we know George's name and we know that he's 
you know, eager because he jumped onto the boat, but I couldn't tell you a single thing about him other than that. And so when he dies, it's like, that's awful that a young boy died, but I, I care about it because he's a young boy, not because he's George. I have no connection to George yeah. as a character. Yeah. I, they're going for this thing that he's eager to help, that he wants to get involved in the fight, which I think a lot of young men who are just under 18, which because that's what we, we yeah. say young boy, he's, he's like, he's, I think he's maybe like 17 or whatever. Um, mm. But he... Yeah, it's it's hard to get like a, a a good hold in that, and then of course it intersects with the the plane stuff where we already yeah. saw like you know the, the the Scottish pilot him go down like helping Tom Hardy, but here mm-hmm. we see the rest of it where they actually get to him in the boat and they help him and he, he gets on board. So he's kind of like the more level headed guy, um, and there is mm-hmm. a difference between him and the the regular you know infantry because at the end of the movie the ones that. Like, the ones who he helps get on the boat when they're helping everyone and helping save them, they're obviously all mm-hmm. fine with them because he's just helped save their lives. But when yeah. they get off the boats at the, the dock back in back in England, like, there's another infantry guy who's kind of like, oh, where were you? Where were you a lot? Yeah. You know, he gets a little bit uh, confrontational with them. It's one of those things that come back to, like, the captain on the Titanic sort of thing, where it's like, you should not be one of the ones to survive. If we see you around, like, you clearly weren't doing your job properly. Because either, like, if you're, especially on this boat, like, if you manage to land your plane and come back from fighting, sure, whatever, you you did your job successfully. But if you're coming off of this boat, that means that, like, you did not defend properly, and the soldiers see that as kind of a negative, all things considered. I don't think I read it that way. I, I read it. I, I read it more as they felt like they were abandoned out in that beach, and no destroyers, no planes were coming to help them. In mm-hmm. fact, at the end, when Tom Hardy's there helping them, he's the only plane on their side that's helping and trying to yeah. deal with things. I think it took. I, I took it more as they felt abandoned by all the other like branches of the military that should have been shown up to help them, and mm. this moment was simply like letting out of that frustration. Just because that's fair. because to be fair, this guy did fight. He did his plane went down, and he the reason why he's not dead is because this small boat was there to come over and and help him mm-hmm. out. Like he you know he, he thought he was sacrificing himself effectively in the moment. Yeah. Well, no, he he very much felt that he was just gonna like chill out on his plane for a while, but then because we can't go five seconds without any sort of tension, he's unable to get the. Uh, I guess the cockpit oh, yeah, yeah, window but, open, but only because he's went down in the fight. Like not because yeah. he's made a choice to set it out. Like he, you know, oh yeah, yeah he yeah, gets yeah. shot down, and he, yeah, he's able to land the plane well enough in the water, right, mm-hmm. when he's shot down. But this isn't something where he's chickening out and not getting involved. Like he's right. done what he can. His plane's dead. You know, he, yeah. he's there. No, I agree. I yeah. agree. Um. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, as soon as we're done with the part where they pick up the pilot, I don't feel like the boat plot is really a centerpiece anymore. Like, we well, get the part where George actually dies, and he goes. they show how they go around and pick up people from a destroyer that was hit by some torpedoes or something. Mm. But overall, it just kind of feels like... At this point, there's a bunch of small boats all coming around. Every, well, yeah. like, the, 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 the cavalry's arrived. There's a big moment where uh, Kenneth Branagh's like, looking through his binoculars, like, look at that. What do you see? I see home. And it's all these little boats with British flags coming in. Yeah. Uh, and it's better be this big save the day moment. Um, and yeah, they start helping out. And the, the, the big set piece towards the end is that they're pulling soldiers onto the little Mr. Dawson boat. 
Um, but mm-hmm. the, all the soldiers are covered in oil. One of the ships that's went down nearby is leaking oil into the water. So there's this yep. kind of tension where if something goes down and ignites that oil, you know, if, let's say, a plane goes down and crashes there, which it eventually does... What are the odds of that? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be set alight. We have to, like, move from here as quickly as possible. So that's kind of the ticking mm-hmm. time clock. But Kelly and Murphy's chipping in, uh, you know, helping people get on board. Yeah. Uh, you know, the soldiers are respectful of George because Peter's like, no, you treat him, you, you be careful with him. You don't mm-hmm. just throw him to the side. Uh, yeah. He basically, and you know, he's got his little bit at the end where he goes to the local newspaper because he wants people to hear what George did in the effort. Um, mm-hmm. Which, I hate to be cold here, but it's not really that much. <laughs> no, I... I... <laughs> like, he jumped on the boat when he wasn't supposed to and he got himself effectively killed by doing so. Like, what did he actually accomplish between getting on the boat and being knocked out from being pushed down the stairs? I... I understand what you're saying. He achieved I, nothing. He's a loser. I, yeah. Okay, that's a bit much. Like, it's it's about intention over what he actually did. He wanted to go in, he wanted to help, and he did what he could. And he died on a heroic mission. Maybe not doing something heroic himself, but in a mission that would have been heroic. He's... I guess. He's the kid that the, the dad says... Okay, you can help by holding this thing, but the dad's really doing all the work because the kid's too young to actually do any of the work that's being done. He's it, holding the flashlight. Yeah, it's basically the, like I'm 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 intentionally being extreme here for the comedy I was of it. Say, right? Yeah, um, like, I get it. He's brave. He wants to help, uh, and mm-hmm. his good intentions led to his demise because war's a bad thing and bad things happen. And the fact that it was like a knock-on effect of one of their own men who's shell shocked yeah. rather than just an enemy, you know troop who shoots them or an enemy boat that hits them or whatever it may be it's one of their mm-hmm. own this is like more like a, a knock-on effect of the the tragedy of war is how it sort of spread back to him like i get all that all that's fine um but uh, i just I, I fundamentally just think that i need more time to develop these characters to actually care about yeah. them whether we're focusing on the boat plot whether we're focusing on the beach plot with all those guys and the horrors of war because the whole the whole so the whole thing builds up to the end where they are getting home, they're looking out the windows of the boat, mm-hmm. and they can see, you know, uh, it wasn't Dover, it was somewhere else, <laughs> but they're seeing places down at the bottom of the UK, and yep. they arrive, and it's right around here, where all of a sudden, Harry Styles starts talking about how, like, oh, like, we're going to be seen as failures, we, we lost yeah. this war, we came out here to fight, they're all going to be ashamed of us, they're going to be spitting at us in the street, we're going to be hated. And, of course, the surprise after they get on the train and they're kind of hiding and they're not really excited about anything um, mm. is that, no, like, when they're arriving at this train station, people are handing them beer, they're, they're cheering, yeah. they've got food ready for them, and it's all that. And that's when Tommy reads out the newspaper and he reads uh, the Winston Churchill speech, which... I do, I do want to throw out that this entire plot began because of the stupidest possible misunderstanding, where... As they are exiting the boat, making their way over to a train, mm-hmm. there's a guy there at the dock who's, like, handing out blankets and stuff for them. And, like, oh, good job, boys. Good work. You did it. Good job. Good job. But he's not looking at any of them. And Harry Styles takes note of that. And it's only our main character, once he comes up, he discovers 
that the guy is actually blind. Yeah, that's and why that's he's not looking up at anyone. Yeah. Up. And so when Harry says it on the train, he's like, that guy w- wouldn't even look us in the eye. Main character's already fallen asleep just due to exhaustion, so he's not able to clarify. And that's what causes Harry to stew on it, of like, oh, are people hating us because we failed coming back? But, like, the fact that it was an actual blind guy just seems so contrived to me. Like, the fact that it seems like the sort of thing that's written for, like, a sitcom plot, (laughs) where it's like, oh, no, I can't believe I didn't know this guy was blind the whole time. Like, it just seems so contrived to me that that's what sent him down the spiraling rabbit hole of, oh, no, people don't like that we came back alive, more or less. I think, I don't mind this idea that he's got this fear. I just wish it was something that was built up. Like, the idea that they feel ashamed that they didn't come over to France and just win, right? And they're coming Mm -hmm. back as losers, effectively. That's that's not how they should be looked at, but that's how they feel. Like, if if that's what they were, you know, wanting to tell a story about. And this idea that they're being cheered as heroes when they get back. um, But maybe the, the sad, like, cynical part of it is that, like the cheering to them is going to feel fake because they don't feel like they actually accomplished anything and that's its own yeah. little kind of can of worms of like the psychology of it like, that, like don't pity me sort of stuff yeah like the, the, there's things there to explore and ideas that i think are, are good but um all of this is it's introduced quite you know late on it's, it's these last like five minutes basically where all of this just kind of comes rushing in and i don't and yeah, maybe you're saying that when they're over there just trying to survive, and it is just about survival. It is just the minute-to-minute tension of trying to not die. They're not thinking about what it's going to be like to get back home, because they don't have time to think that. Like, I get mm-hmm. the logic of that, um, but maybe that's just, again, a case of, like, more quiet moments where, the, you know, like like I say, we thought maybe if they didn't just immediately get the boat sank when they thought they were going to be leaving, maybe if they were on that boat for a couple hours and they had a chance to think, oh, maybe we're safe now, so maybe we can start talking and thinking about life back home and maybe that can open up some of these ideas earlier or something. Mm. I, I, You know, I don't know. But everything at the end just kind of felt a little bit hollow to me because I don't think any of it was spent in the movie building up to those, those conversations or those ideas. It feels yeah. all just kind of out of nowhere at the end. Um, but again, it's because they they had zero time in this movie. That's going back to the very first things we were talking about. I came into this movie and I saw it's an hour forty five, and I felt relief that I wasn't going to have to like wake up early. I think this is one of the very few that like really could have done with an extra even like full hour to explore these themes, to get into their headset, to like understand where they're coming from and how they feel about returning home. Because with what we got. There was no time outside the tension to explore any of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, it, it, you know, he made the choice, Nolan, to to make this about the minute to minute, like just try to survive. Mm-hmm. Almost thrills. It's the tension and thrills, right? The movie. Yeah. That's all it is. And I feel like it's lacking anything else to give it any more emotional connection or depth. Um, and. The annoying part about discussing movies like this is that I do think a certain number of people will say, because this is about a real war and these things really happened, you don't have to right. set all these things up. Like, all these things land at the end because if you if you care about, you know, again, the country or whatever, like, or you care yeah. about what happened to these people. I'm not saying I don't care about what happened to these people. What happened to soldiers in World War Two and World War One? It's all awful. Like, war sucks. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, but I'm watching a movie and I need to connect to these characters on a personal level. 
mm-hmm. that's how storytelling works you know like i've said it a million times and i'll say it a million more if you just tell me that everyone on earth is going to die when an alien blows up the planet that's fine <laughs> but i need to care about at least one person who's on the planet to give a shit and yeah. the same is true in a war movie i need to care about someone i need to care about why not why they're scared because obviously it's i mean the scared because of dying yeah. right well, but i think i think that that's one of the things in world war ii that you can do without any effort is world war ii is one of the few storytelling narratives where you can give a villain without having to define why the villain is bad like you can just mm. come into this and say nazis are bad and everyone will be like yep I agree. You don't have to convince them. By the first time that we have the German planes coming in over the beach, like that, you hear them through the clouds first and then you see them, it's menacing. You don't have to tell us why it's menacing. We get it. Like, it's automatically there. So from that point of view, you don't have to give that much backstory. Like, we just, as a culture, accept it. But we do have to understand, like you're saying, why we care about the people we're following. If we were in the war room, as we've said time and time before, we would have a general sense for why we should care about the military as a whole, because these are the people who run the military as a whole. But we're not following them. We're following an individual soldier on the ground, and we need to be told what they feel, how they are in this, and why we should care about them. Yeah, and I wish it was more that. I wish it was, like, keep your three timelines, maybe you restructure it a bit, but I do wish that it was like, okay, we're going to spend and get to know this one main character, Tommy, and his mm-hmm. struggles throughout this. And like I say, more time to actually explore him and develop and, and make me care about him. Um, same in the boat, it'll make me care more about these characters. And maybe for the plane stuff, like, if if you're, if you're keeping that... Um, mm-hmm then maybe you hold off on it till later so you're not spreading it out throughout the film or maybe yeah. or maybe you even like show me them before they get on the planes like like maybe part of their story is like waiting for the call because they know they're going to have to go out and do something you know so they're, they're almost like firemen waiting for the, the alarm to go off like when do mm-hmm. we actually like sit up and like go out on and fly and uh, maybe they're frustrated that they aren't helping and doing more um you know because they keep saying how all the planes and destroyers have been held back and they're not helping all these people try to get home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there's a reason why just this group of three planes uh, are sent out. Like, maybe, maybe there is more to that that could be interesting yeah. to learn about. I mean, that's if we're going to talk about the plane plot, that, I think, is the coldest plot of them all. Yeah. There is, there is not a single ounce of humanity over the course of the entire plane plot. When people go down, they're just like, oh, no, all right, moving on. Like, it's, it's very militaristic, obviously, but it's very cold in the way that it's presented to us. Not in a bad way, but even when we get to the point at the end of this movie, and there's this whole running subplot of Tom Hardy is out of fuel. He's running out of fuel, he has no idea how much he has left, and he's just coasting on fumes for a while. And then there's this big hero moment, the, the only big hero moment in this whole movie, where a German plane is about to come down and attack these people right as all these tiny little boats are coming up. And Tom Hardy shoots them down. And everyone cheers. And I still don't feel like Tom Hardy felt a single thing in that moment. <laughs> it's also because he's got the mask on the plane. He said a little bit like Bane sometimes. And that yeah. was going to be was like, Ah, oh, yes, I will destroy the Nazi Germany. 
first time we saw Tom Hardy, he was flying that plane, and I didn't care about him. I only cared who he was once he put on that mask. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, you think the clouds are your ally? <laughs> <laughs> the sky betrays you because it belongs to me. Um, I so, would kill for that cut. That would be a uh, beautiful line. Yeah. Because that's the thing, I mean, I guess the one thing about his bit at the end is that he swoops in and does some saving, but that big moment you talked about, he's already run out of fuel. He's literally just gliding uh, yeah. for his last little bit of his trip. And mm -hmm. he shoots down that last plane whilst gliding with no fuel. So it's kind of especially impressive um, mm -hmm. to an extent. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like it, it kind of, it goes for kind of this more grandiose spectacle of it. You know, everyone cheers and it's kind of this like hurrah moment. Um and I think for, at least for me, like a more personal emotional connection would make mean more to me than just the, uh, the, I don't know, the, the fanfare, I guess, of it. Yeah. The fanfare doesn't work for me, but caring about something specific, an emotional beat of a character is what mm. I get more into. And you can and that's not to say that I don't want the tension. I do want the tension. Like a good again, 1917 is the one that keeps coming up because it's like the war movie that I saw. It's the newest one that I've loved, right? And yeah. that movie is tension, and it's also very filmmaking kind of savvy because it's you know it's done all as if it's a one earth, which is, again it's not the same as what this movie's doing. But I'm saying they both have kind of a structural gimmick. They both have mm. like this is how we're going to tackle this story, and. I, I just I wish that I cared more for some of these characters. I really do. It, it's the biggest failing of the movie, um, and I think perhaps almost equal to that is that I just kind of stopped caring by the halfway point about all the tension because you become numb to it. I just got numb about everything yeah, that was going on. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's, but it's I I do find it interesting now that I've seen this, knowing that the next film that he does is Tenet. And he specifically goes out of his way to not name the main character mm. for that entire movie. I wonder if that was kind of like him proving to himself that he could do it. He was like, okay, my last movie, I had main characters, but I didn't really let you connect to him. This movie, I'm letting you connect to a guy, but you'll never know his name. I wonder if that was just a little extra thing he was trying to do there. I don't mind not knowing a name. There can be a charm to that in the right. Right, but a name is just the easiest way. Like, Again, we called it the George boat. Even if we weren't connected to George, we at least had that. We know his name. It's the easiest way to build a camaraderie. Yeah. What's Tom Hardy's name? I bet you don't know it without looking. Hold on. The guy said it numerous. It's Farrier. Oh, I damn think. it. You got it. You got it. Okay. okay. He said it numerous times. I, 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 could, I couldn't have told you that. Like, I only know yep. it because I was looking at it. Yep. Because that was um, once the second pilot was down on the boat, there was an entire sequence where Tom Hardy was like flying overhead trying to shoot down the German and he just kept looking up coming like come on Farrier you can do it come on and I'm like yep he's gonna try I guess were you doing an English accent there for the Scottish pilot I was doing an accent don't ask me to define it <laughs> yeah so one of the things towards the end is that it's revealed that Mr. Dawson had another son who was a pilot and died mm -hmm. three weeks into the war and it's kind of it basically it gives you like his motivation and why he's so willing to to go and try and save uh as many people as he can because he wants to yeah. uh so it's like okay 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 uh that, that's a decent enough motivation would have been a great reveal i think halfway through the second act mm. of then we have to wrestle with that and come to our own different like things but you know five minutes to the end sure why not yep yep uh 
yeah. I don't know if I've got a lot more LYC, honestly. So the only things that I wanted to bring up was the very end of the boat plot is Killian Murphy looks back and sees them carrying out George's body. Mm -hmm. And then as Peter glances over in Killian Murphy's direction, he's already gone. So he's aware of what he did and he is just left to the rest of the plot, more or less. Any thoughts on that? Because honestly, I I feel like I wanted a little bit more from yeah. him having to come to terms with the fact that he did kill this kid. Again, it wants to keep its distance, you know, mm. the, the characters from us. I, I think he... The idea of him disappearing into the crowd, I think it's, it's playing into that idea that when you go to, like, war and like, all the other soldiers, you end up being in your squad. Like, they're all from all over the place. You don't necessarily... Mm. Unless you make a point of getting to know them and want to keep in touch when you get back, you're not going to. You know, like, they're... They right. go back to their lives, and I think that you know Kelly and Murphy just like disappearing into the crowd is like, you know, like you'll probably never see him again. And I guess we we're left to wonder if he's going to be able to live with what he did—that he got some, you know, young man killed. Well, as we later discover, he changes his name to Oppenheimer and he moves <laughs> to America, and he ends the war. Good on him. Very good. Very good. Um, the only other thing is the very 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 end where we're getting the reading of churchill's we shall fight on the beaches uh speech and he's reading it from a newspaper and we're getting these shots over and over of like oh here's the ocean here's all these soldiers helmets left on the beach and the music swells it's big it's a, a big moment as we end with this final shot of tom hardy's airplane on fire as he burned it so the germans couldn't use it and it fades to black. And then we get one last shot of Tommy on the pl on the train, having finished reading the speech, and he just kind of reacts for a second, and then it cuts to credits. Well, no, I mean, I get this. I think this is the point where we were saying how it could be critical of what Churchill's saying. I think this is him reading this hoorah speech about we're going to do all this fighting like it's heroic. And then mm -hmm. this is him reading that and being like, what a bunch of bullshit it's, it's basically that has nothing to do with what we just went through it's basically uh it's, it's kind of the same as like the end of no country for all men mm. uh, in a sense it's basically just him like reacting to that and it's like he doesn't believe a word of what he just said and i wish there was yeah. more of that i wish there was more of the critique of that but yeah the movie just doesn't want to get into it which is which is a shame that's the thing is like this movie feels so as you were saying patriotic in a lot of ways so much of that national pride but when it really gets to the end of it, it's like, but war is bad. Like, we don't, we shouldn't be doing this to begin with. And it, it feels like it's kind of trying to battle that in the last speech thing there, where it's showing all these grand images of like, here's what our soldiers went through. But, I mean, war is bad. It's bad that we did that in the first place. But like, be proud of them, but also don't be angry with them because war is bad. It's, it's, it's just a bit of a mess of a message. Yeah, well, I think the idea is that Churchill's saying, yeah, be proud of all our boys, blah, blah, blah. But then the boys themselves at the end, he, like, he doesn't feel proud. Like, he doesn't feel yeah. like he's done anything worthwhile by the end of this. Uh, so I think it is an indictment of war, as I think every war movie ever made should be an indictment of war. Oh, okay. Like, mm. there's just, there should never be a war movie where it's pro-war. If, if, that, if that happens, then it's, there's something wrong going on. I really <sighs> want to see if we ever reach the point where we go through the Jarhead series. <laughs> 
because because the first one I know for a fact is that it's an indictment. It's them saying like this is just stupid how we're oh. spending the war. But then every later film is like lock and load. Let's go. Although now that I've said that, yes, I will acknowledge that if you go back to actual war time, the movies that were being made to inspire everyone probably don't oh, okay. have an anti-war message. They're more propaganda, effectively. Yeah, at that propaganda point. doesn't count. Uh, but you know, but typically speaking war movies should be anti-war and mm. if they're not then i may have a problem with them <laughs> uh so so the the one thing that i just remembered as i was talking about that final montage was a bit of a weird moment uh this entire movie we've had this crowd of soldiers all on this pier making their way out to mm. the mole and like the ships that are picking them up and it's just before kenny he says um that he's gonna stay there's just a random private that I guess fell asleep on the dock and he wakes up and looks around and like everyone has left save for Kenny. Who's like, come on private, get on the boat. You overslept. And I'm like, how in the hell did that happen? <laughs> how did, how did they just let this one guy sleep this whole time? I, uh, yeah. So yeah, they mentioned that, you know, Churchill was only like, ah, we'll try and bring about 30 to 40,000 people back. And there's like 400,000 waiting. And yep. then it turns out, no, over 300,000 got rescued and evacuated. And, you know, that, 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 that's uh, true. I double-checked that figure. That, that is what happened. What, what, which is nice. Although I do wonder, did they make multiple trips? Obviously, the movie doesn't get into that. But I wonder if these boats all went back and forth a few times. I mean, it's possible that the faster ones did. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Maybe it was like a relay system where like what, mm. they met in the middle of the channel and they just kept on going back and forth. Oh, dear. Uh... So yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, like uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time explaining why it's not really working for us as well as it could or should. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, I do want to say that yeah, technically it looks fantastic. It is mm -hmm. immaculately edited. The sound design's very good, which is not something I'll necessarily say about a lot of modern Nolan films. Uh, no, I was I had my headphones in the whole time because mm -hmm. I just started doing that with Nolan films because Lord knows he doesn't know that what desk speakers are. Um, <laughs> but it's it's. It sounded great. I understood what everyone was saying throughout. And I think that's also because the fact that there is so little dialogue. Like, you're able to understand what's going on just because of the things happening on screen. There's maybe three scenes in this movie that I think are purely dialogue-driven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, technical qualities are great. Obviously, it looks fantastic. And, like, all of the practical elements of, like, shooting the way that he does do feel great. They feel big in scope. Mm -hmm. All that stuff is great. I just never really care all that much about these characters, and sadly, it makes it the least rewarding film of his entire filmography to me. Now, now that I've said that, we should point mm -hmm. out, we're recording all of these episodes before Oppenheimer, even though our yes. Oppenheimer review already been out a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We might hate Oppenheimer more. I, ho <laughs> I hope not. I hope I love Oppenheimer. I'm looking forward Same. to it. But, yep. uh, yeah, so you never know. But uh, with that said, I think we should rate uh, Dunkirk. David, what okay. are you giving it? So like I said, I don't think that it is the bottom of the barrel for me personally. And this is just my opinion. Uh-huh. I personally dislike Insomnia just a little bit more than this. It just doesn't work for me as much as other stuff. And that's that's just a taste thing. That's just what I want out of a Nolan film. And Insomnia definitely was the weirder one out of that. However... In terms of ratings, I still gave Insomnia like an 8. So I'm still going to give this one like an 8. It's not that much farther above. It's on more or less the same level. It's just completely different in the way it executes things. 
So an eight, but for entirely different reasons. I feel like you've not been positive enough, enough to give this an eight. I, I, again, I like, when I was watching it, the tenseness that they wanted to instill in me, I felt. All of the big action scenes as they were doing them looked great. I felt this sort of feeling of fear as to what was going to come next, which I think was the main point. It's only once you come out of it and you realize like, oh, I never really connected with any of those characters the whole way through that you look back on it a little bit more negatively. But I think during the experience itself, I did enjoy it. Yeah, it to me means great. And I don't think this is great for all the story and character reasons that we've, okay. we've talked about. Uh, for me, this is like a six. Uh, and the, te Oof. the technical qualities get it that high. The technical qualities get it there. But I just, I can't call this good or great, which is what a seven or an eight would be. Because I just don't think the, the emotional connection is there. I don't think the characters uh, are that empathetic to me. I, I just, mm -hmm. I, 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 can't get, I can't connect to it on that level. So... Because of that, and I think especially for a movie where I should care about these characters, it's a mm -hmm. big problem. So, uh, yeah, 6 out of 10 for me. Uh, That's fair. I mean, I'm not going to argue the point. I think that it's it's something that is an issue. I don't think that not being able to connect is just something you can brush off, saying like, oh, it's a war movie. You're, you're the, they're supposed to be just the everyman. No, that's not good filmmaking. I don't think I agree with that. But I do think that connecting with the characters is not focus of it really until you get to the last couple of scenes where all of a sudden they throw on that thing of like but will people not like us when we get home like well that's not what this was about harry styles i don't care yeah but that's the thing though i was so numb to the tension and numb to all the action by halfway through anyway that even mm. that for me wasn't working that well in the back half of the movie um mm. and I, I felt that way the first time i saw it i felt it again this time if i had i felt it earlier because i kind of knew you know where it yeah. was going and how i felt last time i i don't believe this movie's good on rewatches i will say that straight up i don't think yeah. this is a this is a rewatchable movie once you figure out like oh okay they all do this stuff there's nothing to bring you back so yeah uh sadly we we end on a, a down note uh but for the record since we're at the end of our nolan season here uh, i will <laughs> point out just sort of from rough memory um i love nolan's bat trilogy that's yep. you know even dark knight rises which people shit on i think has a great central batman character arc probably my favorite of the three films dark knight's the best movie overall don't get me wrong for right. for other reasons but <laughs> i i love a lot of what rises does i love interstellar i love inception Same. i really like tenet it's got it's got some rougher edges compared to those other films but i still like a lot of what he's playing with i only ever watched interstellar once beginning to end i don't remember it as positively as Tenet or Inception, which I have seen numerous times, what, what, but that might just be I need to go back. Yeah, what I'll say is that I, I always liked Interstellar, but I was maybe a little... Like, it wasn't... I wasn't as in love with it as I thought I would be before I saw it, but I mm. will say when I watched it again for the first time a year or two ago for Ace, I liked it more on the second viewing, knowing okay. what it was going to be going in, and was able to sort of, like, take it on its terms, as opposed to Dunkirk, where, I, like... Nothing changed for me here. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm just throwing all those those opinions in there quickly here at the end, because, you know, we've done all the unknown films just to sort of yeah. wrap up the overall feeling. I mean, for me, the, the big thing for me is this is the first time that I went back and I did following, and I really sat down and did Insomnia. And even though I don't think it was 
either of them were his best films. Insomnia I did have the biggest issue with. I I still think that would be the bottom for me. It's still great. It's still a good movie. Like Nolan's weakest films are better than most directors' best films all throughout. Yeah. I, I love I love like how like just rough following as compared to stuff. Like to me it's more mm-hmm. interesting than a lot of his uh not, well, not a lot, but like in some of his other films, you know, like right. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a fascinating little thing that I, I get way more out of watching that movie than I did Dunkirk. Like, I, mm-hmm. like I'm one of the few people who probably says Following's a better film than Dunkirk, but I actually <laughs> enjoy it way more. I actually think it's a way more uh, intriguing and it gets into my brain a lot better. Like, I feel like I'm in the character's head. I feel like I'm, yeah. you know, sucked into the story in a way that I don't feel like I am with Dunkirk. So. That's, that's the thing is I think I go for Nolan more because of those sort of mind-bending aspects. Mm. Not not that they all have to be Inception or Tenet where I'm the laws of reality no longer apply, but just, you know, you're questioning things. You never know quite what you're getting out of it. So, and that's kind of what I enjoy about Nolan. Hopefully we liked Oppenheimer. You already know if yes. we did or not, but hopefully <laughs> we did. And obviously he's a director that I'm always looking forward to his next film. I'm always looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see uh, where he goes from here. Uh, and this was our first director season, so that's exciting. Yes. Um, uh, before we get too deep into it, though, we do still have to make the... Does it make the cut? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe this is contentious, but I, I would say... I don't know what I'd say. Uh, <laughs> I definitely. I, I don't think it's a clean makes the cut. I mean, at best, I think it's cut in the close... Yeah, I was going to come down there as well. Because I, for me, making the cut and such like that, you got to take rewatch value into that a little bit. Mm. Because if you want to collect a movie, it implies you want to watch it several times. And this, I I don't see any reason to watch again. So I would say cutting it close. Yeah. I'll agree with cutting it close. There's still enough technical quality there. Although uh, it's definitely a more lukewarm cutting it close for me than maybe others. Mm. So uh all right there you go that's that uh so starting uh next time i've been too, doing too much like upper class nolan movies uh next season we are diving in to the expendables oh boy because there's a new one expendables 4 is coming out so we're going to work through the franchise and cap off with four uh it should be a good time of course you can uh, get bonus content over in patreon.com slash TV. Uh, we've got a Dolph Lundgren film all ready to go for the bonus yep. to tie in to Expendables. But of course, there's a catalogue now of about 10 bonus movies, some with that already. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did Illusionist to tie in with Nolan season because uh, we did The Prestige, obviously. So that kind of tied in with that. Um, obviously, the $5 tier not, we can also get access to extra reels where we do so bad they're hopefully good movies. And sometimes mm-hmm. they are, and sometimes they're very, very, very painful. Uh, so that's uh, yeah. that's been that's that show's proven a favorite among some of our our loyal uh, patrons. So uh, check out that if you wish. I'm I'm so happy we agreed to do that for the foreseeable future, and I have to keep doing it forever and ever <laughs> and ever to the point where some people are saying scrap the main show and just do extra reels every week. Here's the thing. I already did that show on my own personal channel. I had a whole thing where I watched bad movies. I'm not going back. <laughs> Once a month is all we can stomach of things of that tier. Uh, so, um, but, you know, people have fun. We have a, a laugh talking about them. So, yeah, obviously there's bonus content for other shows. So, yeah, if you want all the extra goodies, you can go to Patreon and it'll help keep all the content coming. But that is the collector's cut. That is the end of Nolan season. 
So thank you for joining us. We'll see you for Expendables. And if that doesn't sound fun, then there'll be something after that you can enjoy more. Yeah. Uh, Always something new around the uh, corner. There'll be another director's theme season, which I can't tell you what it'll be because it's uh, been voted for by our patrons soon. But mm-hmm. uh, there is going to be another director season um, in October, November time, roughly. So look forward to that. But that is the collector's cut. That has been our thoughts on Dunkirk. Thank you very much for watching. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies and what's that? What's that I see in the distance? Gary Busey? (laughs) 